0: Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in-depth with different health care experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. The transition from childhood to adulthood is a critical stage of life that comes with countless milestones and big changes. So how can we set up our kids for long-term success as they become teenagers and beyond? Joining us to discuss this is Dr. Michael Dobbs, a District Medical Group Pediatrician at Valleywise Health. Dr. Dobbs, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: the unique features that we have within ValleyWise Health is a clinic that's specifically dedicated to adolescents. So tell me a little bit about the adolescent clinic that we have here at ValleyWise Health.
1: Absolutely. So the clinic has actually been here for probably over 20 years. I've actually only been here for about nine, but previously we did have a fellowship-trained, board-certified adolescent medicine specialist. I've sort of continued that tradition, and so I've been here for about nine years. But in our clinic, we see primarily 13 through early 20s or so with myself and then one of our dedicated medical assistants, Laura, and then one of our nurse leaders, Charmaine. Um, And we've sort of worked together as a group for probably five, six years. And our goal is to provide the -the state-of-the-art quality service to teenagers and their parents. Our clinic actually in the past couple of years has gone through a about 18 month quality improvement project and we've received a gold level certification. Uh, This is in conjunction with the Arizona Department of Health, Arizona Family Health Partnership through a model that was pioneered at the University of Michigan. So we feel very strongly that we provide excellent care to our teenagers and we're able to address a whole host of issues. In general, we see things ranging from just general routine checkups to issues with growth and development, eating issues, puberty, reproductive health, sports medicine, and things like acne and acute illnesses. So I sort of like thinking of myself as, in many ways, a primary care pediatrician, but really sort of specialized in all the issues that teenagers might have.
0: Why do you feel that it's important for us to have a dedicated clinic for this
1: particular age population. Well, teenagers are just a very unique population. And so we oftentimes think of them as children, but they're not exactly children, but they're not exactly full adults. And so when you think of what a 16 or 17-year-old, their experiences might be, well, it's going to be very different than a four or five-year-old, but also very different than like an 80-year-old. And so it is interesting that we have this sort of cutoff at 18, where then people suddenly start going to adult medicine along with like 80-year-olds, but their experiences are going to be very different. So adolescence is a time of rapid physical change, rapid mental change, and the experiences they have and the needs they have are very unique. And so I feel pretty strongly that, you know, physicians who see teenagers should be invested in that population, feel comfortable with the problems and sort of unique issues they may have.
0: If you were looking at your practice today, what would you feel is probably the number one issue that teens or even preteens are seeing, you know, that are bringing to you as a healthcare professional?
1: Right now, what I'm seeing is things like school disruption, family disruption. Teenagers are, of course, getting infected with COVID. Their families are getting infected with COVID. So, sort of in this moment, it's certainly the COVID pandemic. You know, so if I step back and think what I've seen over the past year, though, I've seen, unfortunately, you know, education be disrupted for very valid and reasonable reasons, but people have had to do an entire year, year plus of virtual learning. I've seen families affected from the COVID pandemic where teenagers have lost parents, or in some cases, both their parents. Um, I have unfortunately some patients where that has occurred. So, to me, the number one issue right now is COVID. And then we will have to see what happens to the teenage population as this sort of goes through over the next few years. We sort of don't know the long term effects, both from a developmental standpoint from a medical standpoint educational standpoint i think it's something that's going to permeate sort of all levels
0: yeah i i absolutely agree unfortunately it's been this this is just such a huge disruption to Mm -hmm. all of our daily lives that i can't imagine you know even how it would disproportionately affect those that are undergoing so many other changes you know physiologically you know at this at this time of their life to have their just uh, routines upended it's been difficult for us that are adults i can't imagine it, you know with all the other changes how people are coping with that so it's it's truly a challenge that we are going to have and to your point to see what the outcomes of what we're going
1: to to see going forward absolutely i think as an adults where we have a lot of resources we have a lot of skills that we've built up over the years in terms of resiliency we have you know networks that we can communicate with but you know, imagine like now someone who had been a freshman Usually they'd be going to a new school. They'd be making new friends. They'd be meeting new people. Very challenging to do that when it's online. And we've probably all had this experience trying to work online or learn online or do conferences online, and it's so easy to get distracted, right? You know, there's always something sort of that you can all tab out, and so you can imagine how it would be for like a 14-year-old trying to sort of sit there in front of their screen. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about
0: teen health with Dr. Michael Dobbs, a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health. ValleyWise Health offers exceptional health care for all ages at several locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what a visit is like in your practice. You know, traditionally, as you are growing up, you're often accompanied by your parent or your guardian as you come into this visit. However, this may be different in the adolescent patient population. So how does a visit look like for you in your clinic today?
1: Generally what we do is that when someone's here for a physical, one of my Typically it's gonna be Laura, but one of the medical assistants or nurses working with me will bring the teenager back, do sort of your basic check-in, vital signs, all of that, and then spend a couple of minutes asking the teenager if there's anything that they wanted to bring up, and then bring the parent back. Generally what I will do then is go in, especially if I haven't met them before, sort of introduce myself, and I oftentimes just start with a very challenging question for the teenager, which is tell me about yourself. And that's oftentimes the first time a physician or maybe anyone has actually asked them that question. And so you get these hilarious r- wide range of responses anything from like, uh, well, I'm 14. And then that's basically it, to people sort of giving their life story. And I sort of let them know, I'm here to be your physician. I haven't met you before. I want to sort of know about you. And this is just not just your medical history, but sort of what about you? You know, what are you interested in? Of course, then always check with the parents if they have any issues that they want to bring up or discuss. But one of the things I'm very purposeful about is orienting my attention towards the teenager um, because I want them to recognize that they're the patient. You know, they're there to bring up their own concerns. Many times they will have issues or concerns separate from the parent, and so I want them to feel comfortable doing that. Typically for routine physicals, I will also spend at least a couple of minutes talking one-on-one. And this is because oftentimes teenagers have things going on that may feel embarrassed to ask about or not feel comfortable asking about or just aren't sure if they can bring it up and maybe they don't want to do that with a parent present not because they don't trust the parent or want their parents involved in some way but you know we all have things going on that perhaps we don't want to share with everybody so I try and give people the space to do that now as someone gets older or I've met them a few times you know I sort of shift more and more of the roles and responsibility To the teenager and so if you're 17 going to be turning 18 in a day i'm going to expect a lot more in terms of conversation and what you are bringing compared to like a 13 year old i'm meeting for the first time
0: certainly a wonderful way for people to be empowered Mm -hmm. as they're learning about their bodies learning about you know healthcare healthcare relationships in in this type of model that people start to have
1: this investment
0: early on be wonderful to see how that carries on for folks that have gone through this experience later in life with their own health issues.
1: Hopefully hopefully they take something from it, but I'm very forward in saying you're now a teenager. For instance, class example would be someone with asthma. They're coming in 13, 14. I start asking them, what is asthma? What are your symptoms of asthma? And you'd be surprised the number of teenagers who like, are like, oh, I should know this. And I'm like, well, yeah, You know, your mom isn't going to be there 24 seven. As much as she may want to be, or your dad might want to be, you start to need to recognize your own issues. And now it's sort of your job to bring them up to me. And then sometimes you can see that sort of light bulb go off, go off where they start realizing, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be in charge of my health here.
0: Are there any big new trends that you've been noticing in the adolescent patient population over the last few years that's been somewhat different than we may have seen historically?
1: Yeah, one that I think about in terms of sort of technology and uh, technical acquisition first is it's sort of ubiquitous that everyone has like a cell phone. I'm not here to say whether that's good, bad, or comment on that. I know people have all sorts of opinions. Um, Some of the not always backed up with science in terms of technology aspect, but one area where I can say for sure it's had, I'd say maybe a native af- aspect is in substance use. And where we think of classically, I think a lot of people think of teenagers and substance use as like smoking cigarettes or something. Well, I can probably count on like three fingers in the past year, the number of times people told me they smoke cigarettes instead of vaping, you know? And so we have things like e-cigarettes, vaping products, whether that's like THC um, or nicotine and these things are readily available. And so to me, that's the biggest change that I've seen since I finished fellowship in the sort of mid-2000s is a transition to more of these sort of e-products, which unfortunately have a large amount of substances, can be highly addictive, even more so than let's say traditional cigarettes.
0: Are there other illicit substances that we start to see you know, increased use in this teenage population? And how does it affect a
1: younger, still developing body? We do see across decades sort of increasing and decreasing amounts of substance use sort of just depends the group right now actually is relatively low compared to their peers. You know, one of the classic things that people's like, oh, the young generation is whatever, you know, and I tend to take a very, I, I, I don't like that view. And in fact, when we take a look at teenagers now in terms of substance use, compared to historical groups, it's actually a little bit less, I would say, than average, what we see over the past 20, 40 years. However, in terms of things that you have, like I said, you have THC-based products. So this could include something like wax. Many people haven't heard of wax. This is highly concentrated THC, which can have some very deleterious or negative effects on the sort of developing brain. I've definitely seen patients who have used this and have psychotic episodes. They develop, um, they require hospitalization um, and really have significant changes in terms of like personality, and to the point of having to go to the emergency room um and these can sort of persist
0: how do you then address this with a young teenager is this something that you i imagine are being proactive as somebody comes into your practice to talk about these things how do you create that safe space as you've done with the other conditions for folks to be able to ask questions if they have them about these types
1: of substances It can be challenging because one of the things that teenagers are not good at is sort of long term thinking, long term planning. And that's just, I feel like, sort of structural, plus teenagers sort of experience time, I think, different than adults. So trying to convince someone that, hey, you need to stop doing this because it's bad and going to be really bad in 10, 15 years is not very effective. Now, for instance, let's take THC. We know that this has an effect on the developing brain. We know that teenagers who even use a moderate amount of THC will have long-term cognitive issues, and you can see that play out in their late teens and into their 20s. So obviously we don't want people using these substances. So my approach, though, is they're not going to stop their behavior with me sitting there lecturing at them. You know, they sort of sit there and get lectured at all the time. So really, I use something called motivational interviewing. And this is a technique where you really try and work with a patient to identify issues and negative consequences from whatever their behavior is. And this could be from substance use. This could be things from, you know overeating or taking in too many calories, you know, sort of of anything, any sort of behavior that may have a negative effect, I find motivational interviewing to sort of be the best thing. And what you're really trying to do is have the teenager identify the sort of negative consequences to their behavior, and then identify the steps that they could take to change that. So I don't try and get someone to promise, oh, I'm never going to use, let's say, THC again. Instead, when I'm like, well, what are some of the negative consequences or what are the th- negative things that you see? You know, is there anything that you're worried about? Do you want to try and sort of reduce? And then we sort of come up with a plan together on how to affect that change.
0: Dr. Michael Dobbs is answering your top question about teen health. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. We've talked a little bit early on about the changes that a, you know, an adolescent will undergo, which is under the term puberty. What is puberty and how can you help parents talk to their, you know, teenagers about these changes?
1: So puberty just describes the sort of physical change that someone goes through from childhood to adult. And so it's something that we all go through. We've made it through, uh, for the most part, for better or worse. And But it can be, also feel like a very scary time for parents, especially if this is their oldest child, the first time that they're experiencing it. it. can also be scary for the child because they're going through all these changes. And so when I think of puberty, also we also think of a term called adolescence. And oftentimes we use it sort of interchangeably, but they're actually different things. So puberty just refers to the physical change, you know, physical change of turning from a child into adult. Adolescence is more of that social change and mental change where someone is growing into the adult row. They're tied together, but they're not necessarily the same thing. You can have someone who has gone through puberty but it's still in many ways acting like an eight-year-old, versus you can have someone who maybe isn't completely through puberty, but they seem very sort of mature for their age. What I'm a big fan of is just sort of open communication. You know, so if you have a preteen, you know, who's going to be starting at puberty, first, coming in and having regular sort of yearly visits with your physician is going to be important with your pediatrician. They really should be start talking about these changes eight, nine, something like that. I know that may sound very early, but in fact, many girls start going through the changes of puberty as early as eight or nine. So if you're waiting until 12, In many ways, that's too late. Boys, on average, will start puberty a couple of years after girls. So that's more around 12 or so. But so I really encourage parents to be sort of proactive about this. This is something that's going to happen to their child. It's going to happen sooner than they think. So they should really start these conversations as early as six, seven, eight. Um, And like, hey, you're going to be going through these changes. Involving your pediatrician, very important. It's also important from a physical health standpoint to have these yearly checkups, one of the things that the physician will do during these checkups is make sure that someone isn't starting puberty too early. That can certainly happen. Or starting puberty too late can feel a little embarrassing for a preteen or a teenager to, you know, have a sensitive exam. But it's an important part to make sure that things are progressing, changing as we would expect.
0: How much has mental health changed in our teenage population, and have we started to see increased rates of depression, um, et
1: cetera, in this age group, which we haven't historically seen? Teenage years are really known for, and people think of them being as very challenging and difficult from a psychological or mental health standpoint. That isn't necessarily always the case. In fact, One of the things to take away is that most people actually make it through their teenage years doing okay. And so it isn't a time to be terrified about having a teen. There are challenges, but there's a lot of benefits and sort of unique experiences. Um, So I tell people, don't be afraid of it. But we oftentimes do see things like depression, anxiety, other mental health issues really sort of show up more in the teenage years. And is this because of increasing stress? Is it because they're more likely to sort of verbalize um, or let people know how they're feeling? There's lots of different reasons. Now, in terms of race, do I seem to be seeing more of it? Absolutely. I think part of this goes back to our conversation earlier about the disruption that teenagers were having in their life. And then well, this is from COVID, school disruption, family disruption. I've talked to so many patients in the past several months about increasing anxiety and social isolation. Um, when we think of teenagers, most of them are. I don't want to say always social because there are people who are also introverted and that just sort of you know, spans the entire population. But you think of their structure. They're going to school. They're around their peer group. They spend most of their time around their peers. With sort of virtual learning, that's very challenging. So I've definitely seen increased amounts of depression, anxiety, sort of stress. And teenagers, like I said, haven't really developed that sort of toolkit in order to manage those feelings um, and emotions in a productive way.
0: One of the other challenges we often hear about in this adolescent work, as people are forming these new types of relationships, there's often bullying that goes along in this. How do we help our teenagers understand this, understand the negative impacts, and then feel safe to say, this is occurring to me, and how do I get help for it?
1: I think the, one of the first steps is sort of creating that safe environment where a teenager or adolescent can feel comfortable bringing that issue up. A lot of that, though, does go back to the school and the sort of policies and procedures that the school will have in place. Unfortunately, we have all heard of stories where someone is getting bullied and it seems like the school is not taking sort of any sort of steps in. So, you know, as a provider, when I hear about that, what I, I really try and encourage my parents to do is take proactive steps and contact the school and sort of let them know what's going on but it can be very challenging. Um, One of the differences that teenagers face these days compared to maybe let's say when I was a teenager in the 90s is just sort of the presence of online media. And so, you know, I think back to my teenage years, you know, once I was out of school, I was sort of separated from school. You sort of had that cool off period, you're at home sort of by yourself, you can reach out and involve friends, people that you like or trust, but generally you're sort of walled off. Well now everybody's on the Instagram, right? Or they're on TikTok or whatever. And so it's super easy to stay Unfortunately, connected, well, that's good and bad. It's easy to say connected, but that means if you're a target or victim of bullying, it's really hard to turn that off. You pop on the social media, whatever your preferred one is at midnight or earlier when you're getting ready for bed and see that you're being targeted. Very different, I think it can be much more pervasive.
0: You know, one of the other issues, again, as we're going through all of these changes, is body image and how folks feel about themselves. What kind of things do you recommend around diet and exercise in this
1: particular age group um, as they go forward? Nutrition is a huge issue for teenagers. I mean, so teenagers, like I said, uh, with puberty, they're turning into adults, right? It's the physical changes of turning from a child to an adult. So in many ways, you're sort of setting yourself up for your entire life based on your nutrition around your adolescent years so i really really emphasize to our parents and families and teenagers first avoiding sugar-laden foods so this is sugary drinks desserts sort of anything that has added sugar to it should really be limited and so this is uh and the second thing i say is like try to avoid anything that has like a cartoon character on it or that comes out of a shiny bag so the problem is i am seeing in my clinic almost on a monthly basis i'm diagnosing somebody with type 2 diabetes as a teenager or um even uh, pre-diabetes and that's almost on a daily basis and so a lot of that is due to sugar exposure processed food sort of lack of physical activity you have to balance that though against the fact that teenagers are certainly the highest risk group for developing an eating disorder and so my emphasis is not on weight my emphasis is on nutrition physical activity and lifestyle and so that's what i try and import to my families is focusing on healthy foods Primarily, you know, the more sort of plants you can eat, the better. I'm not a vegetarian myself, um, but you know, what I tell families is the more that you can eat a food that looks like something you can make in a kitchen, probably the better.
0: You now, as we're ending our time here together, Dr. Dubbs, what are some of the things that you recommend for parents and teachers to help teens in their
1: lives to thrive? One of the things that makes me a little bit worried when I talk with a teenager is when it seems like they don't have. of a passion or interest in anything. And so I think supporting teenagers' interests, even if they seem a little on the silly side, is very important. So I get very excited when I'm talking to a teenager, and they're excited about something. It may be silly, it may seem like it's a little different than what I would like, but you know, as long as they seem to have a passion towards something, I'm very happy with that. So encouraging sort of teens' interest, I think, is very important. Encouraging open communication with the parents and family is also very important. Um, You know, letting them know that, hey, if you want to talk about something, I'm here and I'll do my best to sort of support you and be your ally. Well, also recognizing that many times, teenagers don't necessarily want to talk about everything. So not necessarily saying like every five minutes, are you okay? Do you wanna talk? Do you wanna talk sort of thing? And so I think finding that balance can be challenging, but just knowing the teenager, knowing that they have a supporting family, supporting parents, that are there for them is going to be critical, even if the teenager isn't always going to express it at that time.
0: Wonderful, And I think this has been a wonderful conversation, you know, and I greatly, Dr. Dobbs, appreciate your time around really what we can do to support our teens and our adolescents. So thank you for your expertise today.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you.
0: If you miss any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you. And we'll talk again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the health care providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a ValleyWise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.